are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. Or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. On today's show, we're discussing the weekends, recapping the weekend games. We're, we're starting with Sunday's game, Bumgarner's Gem. Then we're discussing more about Bumgarner and how he's actually having a pretty good season for the D-backs. And then we're wrapping the pod, discussing Saturday night's game and looking at you, Darvish, post-Sticky Stuff uh, crackdown. Is he using Sticky Stuff? We're going to look at the numbers and find out. So got a whole lot we're going to talk to you guys uh, today about but don't forget join walking baseball encyclopedia paul francis sullivan please call him sully every day on lockdown mlb for a unique look at the majors both present and past featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from lockdown mlb networks team of local experts subscribe to lockdown mlb today on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts now i jump right into the podcast where i'm using my audio from spotify green room Diamondbacks end the weekend with a shutout loss to the Padres. They end up losing 2-0. D-backs now 35-78 and on the season. And this is just, man, I mean, you guys hear me say the same cliches over and over again on this podcast. D-backs today, offense didn't show up. Offense non-existent. 0-6 for runners in scoring position today. Only able, able to muster three hits, 17 strikeouts, and... This was, I believe, their 12th shutout of the season. They are second most, they have the second most shutouts in baseball, only behind the Colorado Rockies, who have 13. D-backs, those Rockies D-back series are usually pretty interesting, but this is the first time in franchise history the D-backs have been shut out, have been shut out, and struck out more than 16 times. So the first time in franchise history, they struck out more than 16 times in a shutout. That stat courtesy of AZ Snake Pit. Disgusting game offensively. Nick Ahmed had a hit. He led off today. Cole Calhoun had a hit. And then you also had Hager with a hit. So three hits total. 17 strikeouts in the D-backs. One, uh, it was just bad timing for them. Because they ended up going against Blake Snell. And the rap with Blake Snell is this season. He's only good when he pitches at home. I'm sure you guys have heard. I know you guys are big baseball fans if you're listening to this podcast. Blake Snell is basically Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Any any cliche you want to throw out between, you know, sun and, you know, the sun and the moon, day and night, Kid Cudi reference. It doesn't matter. Blake Snell is a different guy when he's pitching at Petco Park versus when he's pitching outside of Petco Park. His home road splits this season are absolutely disgusting. Entering today's game at home, he had a 2-8-1 ERA. This guy is elite at home. 
281 ERA. He's got strikeouts per nine of 12.1. This this man is dominant at home. Only 20 walks in 41 innings. But away from Petco, he's got a 736 ERA. 47 innings pitch. He's given up 39 runs, 9 home runs, a 1.9 whip away as opposed to a 1.2 whip at home. It's night and day for Blake Snell at home and on the road. But, of course, the D-backs have to go against Blake Snell at Petco. He goes 7 innings, 2 hits, 3 walks, 13 strikeouts. He goes 108 pitches. But on the other mound for the D-backs, we got our own ace. We got our own workhorse. And Madison Bumgarner has been looking good. We're going to be talking exclusively about Madison Bumgarner in the second segment. But Bumgarner today, he's been looking great since the start of the second half. I believe since coming off the injured list, uh, Madison Bumgarner, these are the NL leaders for whip since the All-Star break just in the National League. You got Aaron Nola at .96, Merrill Kelly at .953, David Price .934, Walker Bueller .915, and then Bumgarner .880. So two of the top five NL pitchers in whip since the All-Star break are D-backs, Merrill Kelly and Bumgarner. And that just has to give you some hope, some confidence for next season. Yes, this year is over. Throw this year down the toilet. Nothing nothing is happening for the D-backs this season. You want the D-backs to lose games at this point. Tank for the number one pick. I don't even believe in tanking in baseball, but if you're going to be this bad, might as well lean into be might as well just fully lean into being bad. Fully lean into the tank and let's just get the number one pick and try to get the best talent on the board. Normally in baseball, I feel like if you're just a bad team, you don't have to tank. If you're just a team like, you know, the Twins, like you could have your little fire sale at the deadline, but you don't have to try and be the worst team in baseball. If you get the seventh pick, you'll be happy uh, with that if you're a Twins fan. But for a D-backs fan, when you're having a season like this, there's the lean, fully lean into the tank and just play the young guys. But a Bumgarner, a Merrill Kelly, those two guys are giving me confidence that Maybe this rotation isn't as bad as it seems for next season. Bumgarner, as we're going to talk about later, been dealing recently. Merrill Kelly, of course, has been on fire. As we got JT Shorter now in the room. I don't know how he found the Spotify green room. Maybe he got a notification. You could drop it in the chat how you found the green room, JT. But the D-backs, uh, not 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 a good game today. But Bumgarner, great game today. And that's the kind of game where it makes you wonder... Why did he go longer, you know, deeper into the game? Why did he pitch longer in the game? Obviously, with Zach Allen, when he pitched 108 pitches, there was a lot of discussion about, hey, maybe he shouldn't pitch that deep into a ball game. And it was only like the sixth inning too, but there was a lot of discussion. Maybe he shouldn't pitch that deep because he's coming off injury and he hasn't looked right the the whole year. And we were kind of in a similar situation with Bumgarner today. He's dealing seven innings, only 80 pitches thrown, but he's coming off injury too. So should he have kept going? I believe so. He is older than a gal in 31. A lot more innings. Don't forget, Bumgarner broke into baseball at age 19. So this guy's been around for a long time, but I think he could have gone deeper into the ballgame. 2020, you didn't pitch a lot of innings. So I think his arm is kind of fresh. And I would have liked to see what he could have done. Maybe he could have gone a complete game and taken the loss. But still, if you go nine innings and give up two earned runs, maybe get seven strikeouts, you'll take that as a D-backs fan. Bumgarner didn't get any run support today. 17 strikeouts. Team was 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position. Blowing opportunities as usual. 
The D-backs offense has not been too good recently. If you look at their game log, just in the month of August, the D-backs offense has been up and down. They In the first game of August, the D-backs got shut out. They started August off with a shutout to the Dodgers. Then they put up eight runs against the Giants in the first game of that series, 12 hits. You're like, okay. But then they go three runs, seven hits, one run, six hits. And then they bring it back to four runs, seven hits uh, in the series finale against the Giants. You're like, all right, four runs, seven hits. And then against the Padres, the first game of the series, eight runs, 12 hits. You're like, okay, this is the offense. Maybe after the four runs, we double it the next night. Maybe the offense coming around again, but no. Saturday night, again, 12 strikeouts Saturday night, 17 strikeouts tonight, way too many strikeouts by this team. And just if you look at strikeouts in the month of August for this team offensively, 12 strikeouts to start the month and 7, 8, 12, 11, 6, 12, and then 17 today. A lot of strikeouts in the month of August. Offense hasn't quite been there. Not how you would want it to be there. I mean, there's just too inconsistent. There are nights where they could put up eight runs. There are nights where they only put up one run. I mean, they only have three games this month with at least four runs and only two games with more than five runs. So offense really hasn't been there so far in August, but I'm loving the pitching. I'm loving what Madison Bumgarner did today. We'll talk more about Madison Bumgarner, how good he's been this season. But did you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports to lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner takes all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineup ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be. One-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free, and right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to StatHero.com slash LockedOn. StatHero.com slash LockedOn. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. Let's talk more about Madison Bumgarner because if you want to do the exercise, let's look at his numbers post-sticky stuff crackdown. You can definitely see a correlation in spin rate uh, dropping to the crackdown. And does that mean he's not a good pitcher? No, because Madison Bumgarner has been balling out recently. But let's look at his month-by-month uh, not even we don't even have to go back that far. Let's just look at the the crackdown started in June, so we're gonna look at May. And if you look at his May spin rate on his fastball, it was at twenty four seventy five. His cutter is at twenty six thirty, and his curveball is at twenty six sixty eight. So basically, his fastball, cutter, and curveball average between twenty four seventy five and twenty six sixty eight in terms of spin rate. 
And if you go all the way to June, his cutter all of a sudden 2647, fastball 2456, and curveball 2596. So a slight drop, not really. There's not really much. You just start to hear the, you know, the rumors about a crackdown starting in June. But if you go to July, this is where you start to see the big drop. His cutter goes to 2261. His fastball, it goes all the way down to 2173, and his curveball goes to 2258. Those three pitchers were between 2470 and 2670. Now they're between 2170 and 2270. And if even if you look at the month of August, it's sitting between the same amount, 2150 and 2260. So you can see there's a correlation between Massive Bumgarner, his spin rate, and the crackdown. But it hasn't slowed down Massive Bumgarner. Hasn't stopped him from being a good pitcher. Because since coming back from injury, as we were saying before, he's been arguably the best pitcher in the National League. He started off his first start back from injury. Six innings, one earned run against the Cubs. Then against the Pirates, five innings, one earned run. Against the Rangers, seven innings, two earned runs. Giants, seven innings, one earned run. And then what he did tonight, he's been balling recently. And if you just look over... His overall season, if we want to look at Bumgarner's whole career so far in a D-backs uniform, I want to throw out 2020. Let's do it, y'all. Let's throw out 2020 because it was a weird year. It was a wacky year, and the numbers were crazy, and they didn't really make much sense with a lot of guys' career numbers. Some guys had great seasons. Some guys had you know, career low seasons like Eduardo Escobar, who this season was a lot better. He was top five in home runs and, and RBIs on the D-backs before getting traded. He was definitely having a bounce back season. Was he having an elite season? No, but he wasn't the guy last year who was a liability at the plate. And that's the same thing with Bumgarner. If you look at Bumgarner's first three starts this season, I thought this dude was just the worst pitcher in baseball because if you took 2020 and then tacked on the first three starts this year, he was the worst pitcher in baseball. I believe he had the highest ERA in baseball if you did if you did his numbers that way. 2020 plus first three starts this year. But after those first three starts, remember, he had that little five-start span where he had the best ERA, or not ERA, best whip in uh, history or since like 1905 or 1933 it was some crazy stat we had a crazy five-star historic uh span with his whip where he went five innings one earned run seven innings no earned runs five innings one earned run six innings one earned run seven innings zero earned runs that was a five-star span historic whip during that span but then after that we saw Bumgarner come back to earth, but it looks like he was uncomfortable on the mound. He only went four innings that next start after having that seven-inning shutout against the Marlins. He went against the Dodgers, only went four innings. It looked like he was uncomfortable. He looked uncomfortable those next couple starts. And that fourth start after that seven-inning shutdown, remember, he only made it through two innings before being taken out with was tightness or something in his abdominal and we didn't see Bumgarner again for a little bit from June from June 2nd to July 16th we didn't see Bumgarner pitch and since coming back from the IL he's been back and he's been better not better than ever he's been just as good as he was during that five-star span so it makes me wonder I think what we're seeing from Bumgarner recently and during that five-star span, I think that's closer to what Bumgarner is than what we saw in those first three starts and then those middle four starts where he was kind of iffy health-wise. I think Bumgarner is back to being a pretty good pitcher. I don't think he's going to be the number one that we paid for. I don't think Bumgarner is elite, but 
can he be a uh, you know a good number two an elite number three i think so i think Bumgarner could still be a number two possibly to a zach allen i think Bumgarner could end the year with a better era than his last season in san fran we had a 3.9 era i could see Bumgarner getting to a 3.75 era we look back at the season and we say hey Bumgarner was actually pretty good and maybe gives the d-back some optimism to try to make some moves in the offseason try to spend some money maybe nothing crazy but if you think you have Gallon as your one, Bumgarner as your two. The way Merrill Kelly's pitching, you got to consider him maybe your number three. Then you got to make a decision with Luke Weaver. He's probably going to be back. Is Tyler Widener still your fifth starter? Maybe Caleb Smith? I think maybe you have to make a decision there about how you round out your your rotation. Maybe try to go get a number three uh, to put ahead of Merrill Kelly, and then all of a sudden Merrill Kelly's your number four. There's potential for this D-backs rotation next season to be competitive and be good enough to be a wild card rotation. Just look at the Giants rotation. It's nothing uh, sexy. There's nothing great about it. The D-backs rotation next season, if they you know potentially add another arm in the offseason, would be comparable to the San Francisco Giants. Me and Ben Kaspik of Lockdown Giants have talked about this. Match it up, Zach Gallen and Kevin Gosman. I would say they're equals. Then Del Scafani. I think Baumgartner could be just as good as Del Scafani. Alex Wood. Uh... Maybe a potential, uh, maybe the D-backs pick up someone who just as good as Alex Wood. Merrill Kelly, Johnny Cueto. I'm thinking Merrill Kelly probably in that situation, even though Cueto's having a decent year. Like, the Giants rotation is not that much better on paper, brand names, than the D-backs. So there's no reason why the D-backs, in terms of rotation, can't be competitive next year. The biggest reason why the D-backs might not be good next season is because they just don't have enough offensive talent in their lineup, not enough power, not enough sluggers, no one really with any speed. There's not really a much, you know, uh, there's not a lot of slugging in that lineup. The D-backs need a few more big-time offensive contributors. They don't need, so, you know, more Cattell Martes, but you could get another Cole Calhoun type, a guy that could get you 30 home runs at least and drive in some runs. The D-backs are going to need to replace a Eduardo Escobar's production. There's just not enough offense in that lineup. I like Carson Kelly, I like Ketel Marte, but they need a, a couple more offensive players in that lineup. And then the bullpen. I don't know what the D-backs are going to do with this bullpen to repair it. It can't be a one-year fix because there's no one good in this D-backs bullpen right now. Literally everyone is not good. Uh, sh- shouldn't be in the major leagues the way they're pitching this season. So I don't know who you'd want to keep in that bullpen. I, I don't know who you want to keep around, but the- that bullpen needs a major overhaul. So even though I might like the rotation next season for the D-backs to be, uh, to be competitive, I still got a lot of question marks surrounding the lineup and surrounding the rotation. We're going to wrap up the pod by talking about Saturday night's game, but did you know Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? They got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, Mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies, and cream. German chocolate. There's a flavor for everyone. And the reason why I love Built Bar is because it's healthy. I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to work out every day, but I have a sweet tooth. And Built Bar tricks me. I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but it's high in protein and it's high in fiber, so it's great for the keto diet. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that neat? Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
And don't forget to check out Bet Online because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and can track all the action at Bet Online. You have the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. Promo code locked on. Let's wrap up the pod. Now let's talk a little bit about Saturday's game because this was at least a pretty decent start by Taylor Widener, who's been scuffling lately, coming in with consecutive starts of giving up at least five earned runs. Exactly five earned runs. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of exactly there, but he gave up five earned runs in consecutive starts. That's what you need to know. And in Saturday's game, he went five innings. Two earned runs, 89 pitches. It was a solid start for him. Seven strikeouts. He did give up two home runs, but they were both solo dingers. Gave up one to Machado to start the game in the first inning and Hosmer in the second inning. So back-to-back innings. But he settled in at least after that, only giving up four hits on the day. I did drop Eric Hosmer in my fantasy because someone dropped Carlos Santana and he's having a better year. So I figured to go with Santana over Eric Hosmer, but we'll see if that ends up being the bad choice. But Saturday's game, Taylor Widener, he was decent in this game. He was solid, able to make it through five. Gilbert came in, not even entirely sure who Tyler uh, Gilbert is, but D-backs are out here throwing, you know, randoms nowadays. And looking at his minor league career, I mean, this guy is 27 years old and kind of making his debut with the D-backs right now. Uh, You know, he's probably not going to have a long career with the D-backs at this point in life. You know, so wishing the the best for him by 27 years old. I mean, right now you could say he's the best D-backs bullpen guy because the Gauss came in after and just absolutely gave up the game. He gave up three earned runs, and he couldn't even record an out in his three earned runs given up. And it was just a totally awful sequence by the D-backs bullpen. I mean, DeGauss, he starts off the inning, single to Frazier, then Frazier steals second, then Machado singles to score Frazier. Then DeGauss tries to pick off Machado, throws an error, so Machado ends up going to second. Cronenworth is intentionally walked, so man, Tipoli is brought in. He actually gets a strikeout on Eric Hosmer to start off his outing, but then gives up a single to Myers. So now you got Myers on first, Cronenworth on second, Machado at third. Bases are loaded. What does man Tipoli do? He walks Grisham, so that's another earned run goes in, uh, going against uh, DeGauss. And then Nola comes in for Caratini. He gets a single to score. One against DeGauss, one against Mantipoli. Bullpen cannot get, cannot do anything for the D-backs, cannot help them out, cannot help out with Taylor Widener, who was trying to pick up a win. We started the season off strong for the D-backs. Been scuffling lately, but at least was able to do enough last night and at least able to manage the game on Saturday night's game. At least Taylor Widener was able to do that before the bullpen came in and blew it. Gilbert was good. DeGauss and Mantipoli wasn't able to do anything. But Darvish in this game, 
dominant seven innings, two earned runs, 12 strikeouts, Saturday and Sunday for the D-backs. Just awful games the weekend offensively. Just hard to watch. I mean, strikeouts galore. Not able to come through with runners in scoring position on Saturday. The D-backs were runners in scoring position were 0 for 1. They got one opportunity. They were putting no one on base. 12 strikeouts, only 5 hits, 1 walk drawn. I mean, just a tough game from the D-backs the whole weekend offensively. And you Darvish, he had a good start. He's He needed the good start because there's been some discussion as we've been talking about on the pod like we just did the discussion with Bumgarner and the spin rate, you could do the same for you, Darvish, but the difference is Bumgarner has been even better since the spin rate has gone down. You, Darvish, if you look at his spin rate, it hasn't gone down a crazy amount. It's gone down maybe 100 ticks from June to July. It's been back up in August. So was he using sticky stuff? Was he not? Because the spin rate has been pretty much still there, but... I think he was using sticky stuff and then probably came off it. You can't really see it in spin rate, but if you just look at the numbers, just look at the stats. In the month of July, post the sticky stuff lockdown, he started off July six innings, four earned runs, three innings, six earned runs. Then he went five and two thirds, only two earned runs. Then five innings, four earned runs, six innings, five earned runs. Those are his five starts in the month of July. So, He was pretty inconsistent. Four out of his five starts gave up at least four earned runs. Now, he was dominant on Saturday, but again, it was against the D-back. So, is it really that impressive to put on a performance against the worst team in baseball? So, I want to see you, Darvish, see what he continues to do the rest of the season. Because right now, you can only trust Blake Snell when he's pitching at Petco. Outside of that, Blake Snell is just not a very good pitcher this season. So, if you, Darvish, can continue... Uh, being a dominant pitcher for the Padres rotation, that will be able to carry them to the postseason, hopefully, because Joe Musgrove has been a beast. But if Darvish really is a different guy post-sticky stuff crackdown, that's going to be an issue for the Padres. They're going to need to figure that out. They still got a pretty good rotation, but there's a lot of question marks. Some injuries with Lament, his health concerns, we don't know. What's happened to Blake Snell this season? So there are definitely big question marks surrounding the Padres uh, this year, uh, especially considering the expectations we had for them going into the year. We thought the rotation was going to be their strength. And right now, it's got a lot more question marks than we thought. And it didn't really get addressed at the deadline. Hopefully, we talk to Javi Reyes of Lockdown Padres about that tomorrow. Doing a lot of trade deadline talk. I want to talk to a lot of the hosts who had big acquisitions about the deadline. Do a little catch-up primer to see what their team, uh, how their team has been performing with their new acquisitions. But the D-backs this weekend, terrible showing offensively. Could barely... Uh, could barely put the ball in play strikeouts way too many strikeouts don't know what to say i'm blinded by strikeouts i, I go to i go to sleep and all i dream about is the d-back striking out I, maybe it's not even a dream maybe it's a nightmare i'm just tired of seeing it. It, it it haunts me in my sleep but the rotation is what wakes me up every day because that rotation is starting to look good if Zach Allen could get back into form before the season's end, just to give us some hope, some optimism for next year, I'll feel really good about Merrill Kelly, Bumgarner, and Zach Allen as my top three pitchers in my rotation. I would feel like that's a rotation that's good enough to maybe be competitive, uh, maybe be competitive enough to make the wild card, despite having 
you know, a lineup that's not talented enough and the worst bullpen in baseball. So the D-backs still are going to have a lot of holes in their lineup, in their team, you know, holes all over their team. But hopefully the rotation won't be a big of a hole as we thought heading into next season. Now that's it for this green room spotify green room thank you everyone who hopped in today shout out to jt shorter for always hopping on and i'll catch you guys later deuces that's it for this edition of the lockdown dimebacks podcast remember betting on the d-backs doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new lockdown bets podcast hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling get daily picks blowout specials wrong team favorite picks and lee sterling's lock of the day Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Hopefully, we'll have Javi Reyes of Locked On Padres on the pod. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!